0: Welcome to ThoughtSpeak, the original Animorphs podcast dedicated to K.A. Applegate's sci-fi classic. I'm your host, Michelle.
1: And I'm Coleman.
0: And I will be the first to admit that it's been a little while since we've put one of these out. We said
1: we weren't going to mention that this time.
0: We always have to mention it. It's a cardinal rule of the podcast, as our fans are well aware at this point. We are always apologizing for coming back, but we always do come back, is the important part that I'd like to start by stressing.
1: It might take 10 years, it might take 15 years, but we're not going anywhere.
0: The real cool thing is that we are committed and we are working our way towards our last broadcast of the ThoughtSpeak podcast. And we want to get this thing done this year, we really do. Uh, we are so, so grateful to our Patreon subscribers uh, for keeping us going, keeping the lights on here at the ThoughtSpeak uh, Emporium that that we live and work out of <laughs> our communal It's, a, it's a satellite
1: office that's actually in space. It's an actual satellite.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, if you're feeling like you want to join us in making the um, last couple episodes here on the ThoughtSpeak podcast count please come join our our patreon and we'll we'll try our hardest to provide lots of good kickbacks for you including some uh Mm. bonus private thoughts week episodes um we want to thank our our army we want it to grow but we appreciate what we got and that is nicholas guy at our yurk level and our friend andrew at our yurk level we've got james miola at our Tax and controller level We've got Jacqueline Fisher, again at that Taxon level. We've got Ben Freeman, thank you so much for sticking with us for so long. Taxon, to the end, we love you. we need you. And I wanna give a super special shout out to one of our newest Patreon subscribers, Penguin Tots, at our Horkbajir controller level. The highest honor and the highest amongst our army so far. We have Horkbajir, we've got some Taxons we can throw at you. We've even got a couple Yurk or two that we can create spies out of. Like, we got a decent army. Come join it.
1: Yeah. And I also want to give a shout-out. We've gotten a few reviews since the last time we were on the air, um, which, as Michelle said, that was a while ago. So we should have thousands of reviews. But we only have a couple, but we appreciate them. One... um, I think you made the joke it came from a Sario Rip, but it's it's from The Matrix because the, uh, <laughs> the name is just a series of numbers, but it sounds like a real review. It doesn't sound like a bot or anything, um, but they say uh, they're late to the party. I can't believe I discovered this now. Every episode they ask for reviews, and I only wish I could have given this sooner. This is one of my favorite podcasts I've ever found and a great blast of nostalgia for my favorite childhood book series. So whoever you are who left that, Uh, On July 5th, 2022, thank you so much. I'm glad that um, we're still reaching out to people and and finding new listeners. Um, We also had another one, which was about a year ago, which is about the last time we recorded, uh, from Alice in Wonderland. uh, Which is a clever clever little name there. Um, Love it. But, you know, they, they said that they went through A whole big routine. They signed up for iTunes, didn't have an Apple account or anything, and signed up just to give us a review. So, Alice, thank you so much. Uh, It's great. I mean, we we look at the stats, and people are are still finding the podcast. And um, hopefully that's putting out new episodes and, and wrapping this series up. It can just be this memorial to K. Applegate's amazing series that just, you know, stands the test of time.
0: It's really cool that the podcast is uh, apparently still growing, and people are still just discovering us. Um, one of these reviewers you mentioned uh, said something about loving having discovered Coleman and Michael's podcast, and <laughs> I, I just can't wait for the dramatic twist reveal that this uh, this new listener is about to get over the the course of the series.
1: <laughs> it really is like a, like a mystery plot, you know. She was a woman the whole time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go that's the, the best twist on it so yeah i mean the show's still growing and we're still going haha <laughs> came up with that on the spot uh and and we'd love to you know continue to grow the fan base while we finish this series out that's our goal we're sticking to it and to that end tonight we have our review of book 51 the absolute and this is absolutely one that we've been uh, thinking a lot about in the time that we've taken off. Uh, it's sat with us and 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 uh, digested a little bit, and I think we can pick it apart pretty well now. Uh, let's well, see if I we want to start.
1: Well, I, I just want to say, um, yeah, absolutely. I get it, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I actually had to reread it like today. Because I uh, I remembered the book. I remember what it was about the plot because we read it getting ready to record the episode like about a year ago. And um, I forgot if I enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it. You know, I, I remember the plot, but I couldn't remember how much I liked the book. So it was great. I, I finished it today again just to get ready for this episode. But before we get into our review... We surprisingly have some animorphs news. I mean, there's there's some new things in the animorphs, uh, you know, industry uh, to talk about. And, oh, heck um,
0: yeah.
1: But for I the first bit of that, um, Chris Grine, friend of the show, friend secret of the show. secret co-host, <laughs> um, he is putting out, uh, book four, I think, uh, here in just a little bit, um. Finish that of the up graphic novel series. Yeah, of the graphic novel series of Animorphs. Starting on book five next week. I love following him on Twitter because he um you know, he puts out sketches and fully illustrated uh pictures of what he's working on while he's making the books. It's it's incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It gives us a great look at what he's working on before it's even coming out. And we love his art, we love the style, it fits the series really well. And those, those, those graphic novels have been a treat and a blast. Hope they keep going.
1: Yeah. And it, well, apparently he's got an accelerated, um, advance on up to book six. And then, uh, I mean, Kay Applegate's been promoting the graphic novel on, on Twitter quite a bit. So hopefully we get, um, either in the next six, I just want to see, I mean, it's, it's tough to say jump around cause there are so many important books, but I'd love to see the David trilogy and then the ending of the series, uh, done by him because i think it's hard to say yes, he's gonna do with every a couple book
0: sprinkled in and out throughout the thing like um i i would love to see an elemist mm-hmm. book absolutely we we would love that as long uh, as well as some Crayak probably in a in a yeah. graphic novel form would be lovely and those might be delivered to us by different artists as kind of uh, asides or companion pieces, you know, while Chris blasphemy us the main series.
1: Oh, okay. I was about to say, like, not gonna throw Chris under the bus like that and say another artist should take it on. Give it all to Chris.
0: No, certainly not. But um as much as I enjoy Chris's style, it would be unrealistic to expect the entire 50 some book series to be translated to graphic novels by him and him alone. I think uh, giving equal opportunity to a bunch of different artists would really, really benefit the series overall.
1: Yeah, I just want to see Chris handle the main ones, and I'm okay if it jumps around, even if it's just him. I'm okay if it picks up later in the story, um, just so we can see those big books and the big events and stuff. So um, that's great. And then you had some uh, Michael Grant movie gossip uh, from Twitter that you wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah, you know, lately here we had heard some rumblings about Hollywood executives, the dreaded real enemy of, of the entire story, uh, picking up these rights for the Animorphs uh, movie and basically putting on a facade of wanting to cooperate with the K.A. Gates and include them in the process. And then ultimately, come to sort of shut them out of the creative process and go their own route. So uh, a lot of it, like you said, is very gossipy and hearsay from from this second, third-hand source. So uh, all I can tell you is that I did see some tweets uh, put out by Michael Grant uh, in which he confirmed that, you know, talks had essentially broken down um, between he and Catherine and the executives powers that be uh and as far as i understand it you know it's not as though scholastic is to blame or, or any particular person or entity it's it's just seeming like they truly don't understand what the franchise of animorphs is and how to effectively tap into it in a way that's going to m- make the fan base pleased as well as bring in new people yeah and we're the dealing ideas with that this- they're floating are bad
1: we're dealing with the same thing with The Last Airbender uh, series, the new TV show, the live-action one they're working on Netflix, where the creators of the show uh, basically were, you know, communication dropped off with them uh, between the production and the creators. And it's like, that's only going to lead to bad marketing. And, you know, if you're sitting there, everybody has a vision and, and why they jump onto a project. But if you're looking at the creators who made this thing that became popular and, and you know, had such reach... Uh, and saying no, I'm right. You know, you guys, you guys take your little ideas and go elsewhere. I don't understand what benefit or, or why you think you're on the right path with that. I mean, these are the people who created these characters and these villains, and and, and you know, at least keep them involved and and make sure that you're making something that aligns with their vision.
0: <laughs> if they had any sense whatsoever, and they truly wanted to. As, as you know, they probably would put it, maximize profits off of this uh, intellectual property, they would get the masterful authors of Catherine and Michael to write the script for this film. They, 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 if they knew what they were doing, that's who they would put in charge of the writing. But they don't. They're going to put one of their buddies or some uh, really poor choice of, of writer-director combo that I think they can skate by with or I, I just don't have high hopes for it at this point because it doesn't seem like it's headed in the right direction.
1: Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's been instances like uh, famously uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining uh, did not listen to Stephen King and, and went didn't want him to write the script. And we saw a Stephen King written script versus a Stanley Kubrick written one and and Stanley Kubrick, you know, put him to shame. So You know, a good movie can be made, it's possible, but I don't see the point in, uh, yeah, really sticking it to them like that. But we'll see, you know, more Animorphs content, maybe we'll come back and review it, who knows. Um, And, you know, if it brings on more fans and and steers people towards the books, although that's nearly impossible nowadays because you can't find the books anywhere except, you know, use bookstores and eBay.
0: I, I do appreciate that it is getting a little bit trickier to track down the physical copies, which makes it all the more precious that I did put in that effort to doing that years ago. And I have a complete collection, and it's not going anywhere. And I do intend to read it to my children when they're of proper age, you know, third, fourth grade, around that that age range. Um, I'll introduce my kids to it, because it's, uh, it's certainly important enough. Um, it, it's just really cool that, um you know, Michael Grant takes the time to respond to fan tweets and he's very social and active with the with the community um and you know just from what i gathered uh the things that he's indicated is that it, the outlook on an Anamorphs movie is not too good for us right now but not saying it can't change in the future we'll uh we'll hope and we'll look forward to that oh based but... on his tweets
1: i got the idea that it's moving forward just without them
0: that could be, and if that's the case, we we might end up with this worst-case scenario where, I mean, it, it might be something similar to the Power Rangers recent reboot, where it's kind of forgettable, kind of like a, you know, run-of-the-mill, gritty reboot, or reimagining of that property.
1: Yeah, people, I mean, At there were like a lot 10... of people who really liked the Power Rangers reboot, but I just... I didn't know what they were going for. I mean, I liked the, some of the character stuff, but it just didn't feel at all like power Rangers or super sentai or anything. So it was
0: weird. Yeah. Honestly, I felt like they played it a little too safe. If anything, um, yeah, right. they're just they like, oh, we want them make... to look
1: alien, and we don't want, we don't want, you know, spandex and stuff like that. But um, I
0: mean, even the way the fight scenes were shot and stuff, it just wasn't choreographed like the show no. used to be. It, it it really suffered from not having the involvement of the same people. Even Listen. with the the Saban's blessing, you know, you could tell they didn't have their hands on it.
1: <laughs> Say what you will about the original run of Power Rangers, but they actually cared about like portraying martial arts correctly on screen and like the lifestyle and you know it was it was cheesy and it was hokey but um a lot of those actors really cared about like being martial artists and and having that be a oh, part of the show.
0: Oh brother, I follow every one of the Power Rangers on all the socials and David I guess Yost. at this point at this point, we, we have to just throw in or I have to throw in an R.I.P. Jason David Frank. OK, because yep. I, I really, really admired and respected him and his work. And it's just a tragic end there. So glad we went down the Power Rangers porthole today.
1: huh? Well, I am looking forward to the uh, Netflix special uh, bringing back uh, a lot of the classic actors. Uh, Jason didn't oh. want to be part of it, but David Yost, um, uh Obviously, Trini has passed away as well, but a lot of those original actors and the ones who were in the original Power Rangers movie uh, are coming back for a, a one-off special. So, yeah, should be really the cool. The cast
0: is typically pretty good about doing those reunions, so that's great. Yeah. Wow, a bonus Power Rangers tangent, and we haven't even started reviewing. That's Anwar, the next podcast. We're
1: gonna review every episode of the Power Rangers. We're gonna go through Turbo, the when you- they become oh, pirates. <laughs>
0: don't get me started. I would love it. We don't have time. We don't have time to dive into every single one of our real loves and hobbies.
1: We've got uh, decades ahead of us.
0: <laughs> so you think.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Well, uh, well, let's take this
1: time uh, to jump into the actual uh, book that we're reviewing today, the Animorphs book. But before that, we're going to hear... Um, a message from our sponsor, which is also me. So take it away, Coleman. All right, good job. That's a great thing that you just, uh, had an ad for, and we're talking about, Coleman. You're so good at those. Continue to do those forever. Why don't we, uh, why don't we talk about this book that we came here to talk about?
0: Okay. In this episode, we're talking Animorphs 51, The Absolute, and, uh... Uh, we normally start off discussing the covers because this being the Animorphs book series, the covers are always very prominently featured and boy, this one does not disappoint. Um, it's monstrously ugly uh, seeing the very, at this point, bizarre character model for Marco who looks nothing like the start of, of the Marco models um, turning into a duck and the ugly yellow mustard... Background with the with the dark difference clouds is just it's not a pretty cover necessarily. I don't I don't think so.
1: It's about as exciting as a duck. Uh, the yeah, the color this, scheme. How does and, it make
0: you feel? It's like, very it's like duck based the, Same way a duck makes me feel, right? Well, at least we got this lovely, lovely uh, splash text on here that says the countdown has begun. Uh, it is countdown time. Only three more books until the end, folks. Uh, that's not technically true, technically speaking. <laughs> there's four, um, but we're gonna ignore that for now and just just bathe in the absolute and all that it entails.
1: Do you want to read the <laughs> back as well? I don't have the physical copy in front of me.
0: Yeah, right. And I mean, Seropedia is so hard to pull up, but here we are. I don't have a hotkey for that on my stream deck, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> The summary for the absolute is as follows. The Yerks aren't playing around anymore. They are no longer hiding behind a silent invasion. And one of the first steps they've initiated is to take over the national guard to prepare for an all out war against humanity an all out war against earth. Marco, the other Animorphs and Axe couldn't be less prepared for this news because they know the Yerks are on to them and now they're in hiding things are falling apart and for once jake may not be able to make the decision that will save them and you know it's a it's an apt description it really doesn't reveal too much about the meat and potatoes of this book and the gravy and <laughs> the, the parsley peas. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, like a lot of descriptions, this one you know, kind of leaves out the central plot, but that's what we're here for. Nice call out for oh, Jake,
1: though. He's barely in this book, but yeah, we're really worried about what Jake thinks about it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. We gotta keep reminding the audience. That's one thing, before you we
1: wanna... get super into spoilers, that's one thing I was surprised by. Like, Not a lot of fallout from Cassie giving up the box in the beginning of this book.
0: Like, it's no, mentioned and you know what? And... I, that's a very, uh, very good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, we would be... Uh, uh, we would be... What's the word I'm looking for? We would be at a loss to not mention the events of the previous book because it's been so long for us. But yes, that's exactly what happened. Cassie gave up the box. Um, and the Yerks have the morphing ability, which we'll see throughout this story. Uh, but you bring up a very good point. This story is highly focused on Marco and uh, his team that, that he's leading here. It's the and last Marco
1: book in the series.
0: That that's, a, that's exactly the point that I wanted to make, is that <laughs> this is the last Marco book, and this is the ultimate reflection of his growth as a character from book one, the kid who didn't want to fight, who wanted to find every excuse to quit and stop, uh, to the actual Marco who can independently lead a team of his own, on missions that are life and death and do it without you know any second thoughts or anything like that as we're about to uh, dive into here so uh, did you have any other any other thoughts on the summary or the overall ugliness of the cover of this book? The interior cover is just a bunch of ducks flying. I guess it's the team going on their mission, but it's really just a bunch of ducks flying in a sunset. No, but
1: I I will bring up one of my notes here because um, we'll probably forget when we actually get to the gardens. Um, I love that you know at this point in the series they're just trying to figure out what animal we put on the cover, what animal is going to feature prominently that we haven't done already. And for this one, they finally caved in or like, okay, let's hit our duck crowd. Uh, really give them what they want. And I love that Marco in the Gardens is like, um, why haven't we done ducks before? Like, these are great flyers. We've done long distances. Like, they, they have a little meta moment mentioning the fact that, like, oh, ducks would have been, like, super helpful and, mm-hmm. like... 17% of these earlier. other yeah missions.
0: R- remember um, that, one, that one mission where we had to fly out to an aircraft carrier uh, mm. out on the sea and we chose Seagull? Yep. Like, duck might have been good. Or that too. time
1: they went on an airplane to get somewhere far away.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's, there's tons of reasons why, um, duck graces the cover on this book about war and the start of a very open public war, (laughs) we get the least intimidating animal on the cover.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, this this book is really interesting. I'm not going to review it yet, but right here from the get go, we go straight into an action scene, which we see that in other Animorphs books. But this is the one that even there's a couple moments of strategy and planning and and going back to the rest of the group. Um, this is kind of action scene after action scene after action scene. Like it's a very um, progressively fast paced book.
0: Yes, you're right about that. Absolutely, there is really only one um, kind of low speed a group meeting discussion with mm-hmm. with Jake's depression being the central focus of the scene. Oh Jake. and then it's it's peace out to everybody else and Marco's mission. Mm-hmm. Um and you like you said, yeah, it's a it's a non stop roller coaster. Which makes sense.
1: Yurks have morphine ability now, like they're gonna get attacked everywhere they go. Um
0: yeah, I, at love, any public appearance.
1: I don't think it ever I don't think the books ever get into it, but I'd, I'd love to know how the Yurks are dishing out the morphing ability. Like are they going to like sub commanders only? Are they like making these elite teams of just morphers? I mean, that would make sense if there's, they're like there's special. Some
0: forces. priority hierarchy for sure.
1: Yeah. Or Visitor one just has the box out in the lobby, um of the Yerk Pool <laughs> yeah, and, and you can touch it as you go by. <laughs>
0: Why wouldn't they immediately give that power to the Texans, though, and morph the Texans into something useful uh, and not disgusting? Well, yeah. I mean, not that you're... Texans aren't useful.
1: Spoilers but... for literally, you know, 53 the answer. Uh, that's that's what right. they come up with.
0: Exactly. But, I mean, we'll get to it eventually, right? I'm, I'm just thinking long term. I think,
1: okay, another tangent, but... What would be really smart is for a Yurk to, and I think, I think one of them does this, or it's brought up in some way, but a Yurk to, uh, not only have their controller, um, get the morphing ability, but also have the Yurk itself get the morphing ability. So if their controller dies or something goes wrong, they can morph into like a human or another alien and like run away from their their host,
0: (laughs) right? Like still survive. Oh, but I, I, another
1: thing I didn't think yeah, about till just
0: now—major brain thought. What?
1: Yeah. Um. How are they controlling these morph capable hosts? Because they're down in the York Pool, you know, swimming around for three days, and the the control the hosts are in a cage. Why aren't they just morphing oh. cockroach and getting out, or morphing, you know, leopards and tearing you, shit up?
0: You're 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 right about that, and I assume it's because they specifically pick only birds or like the 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 wild cats or whatever the ground-based animals they choose for them are and they're not giving them those small infid- infiltrating sort of animal morphs like the animorphs are using for their they also missions.
1: they could also only be using volunteer hosts for morph capability
0: I don't, uh well i don't think they're I don't know if they're involving the volunteer hosts on that level. It's a lot of weird things to spend. on. That's what I'm saying. You you got to
1: be able to trust your host while you're not in the body to not morph into a tiger and attack the guards, you know?
0: I, I would also, you know, I think they're not giving them those really high power morphs. I think they're being very jerky about it and only giving them, like... Uh, no, we see we local, see was the thing here? A, a cougar or a... A
1: leopard. A wildcat, but wildcat. We, we see leopard. we see battle morphs in the next few books. We see yurks with battle morphs, so...
0: Yeah, that's right. They do they do inquire... Or inquire... Acquire some other ground-based, uh like, wolves and other mean last,
1: animals. Last thought on this, they also could not be telling the hosts how to morph. Like, you have to learn that. You, you can't just do it automatically so if the, if oh, the sure. hosts themselves don't know how to morph then they they wouldn't know the they process could
0: easily be withholding that information or outright lying <laughs> this is alien magic that only we can do <laughs> shut up and don't ask questions <clears throat> you're <a> hawk now
1: <laughs> yeah okay that let's get in the book it, yeah yeah
0: well absolutely like you mentioned it starts out with that uh uh action scene where marco and tobias are scoping out uh, this really sketchy National Guard-like transit line unit that's bringing all these tanks into their city. Uh, this leads to the the really fun opening scene of them stealing a tank and getting inside of it and riding, uh, going on a little joyride destruction spree that ends in them destroying Chapman's house, which is uh, a good callback. They mentioned that like Melissa's. Not there. She's out of town for something. I don't
1: know how they, they don't know the cat's not there, though. They mentioned that. Oh, the cat wasn't even there. How do you know if it's sleeping in like the basement or There's something?
0: Tobias saw it somewhere else. Tobias ate that cat long ago, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> Tobias was like, times are tough. Sorry, Fluffer McKitty.
1: But I, I like how comfortable they are with the series now that they can make the joke of like, well, where did the tank end up? Uh, Remember the house that Chapman had, that nice two-story place? Yeah, we left it there. <laughs>
0: And now it's a one story. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And
1: just a just a just a dick move by Marco. Just, "Hey, we got this tank. Let's do, take out the Chapmans."
0: <laughs> you know, he does understand though that the the Chapman family is is uh high con- uh, high-ranking controllers and any inconvenience on them benefits his team slightly. So, good on him. <laughs> Uh, but while while they're out there doing this, they they make this discovery that you know obviously something big is happening and it's starting to involve the government. Uh, <laughs> Specifically, they, the California
1: know, National Guard.
0: There you go. Is it? Do they say California in this one? Well, we
1: know they're we they know they're in they're in they're on the west coast and they're in California. So
0: sure, they don't say California
1: though. Yeah, but we know it's California That's because we've read we've read the whole series. <laughs> we know they're in California.
0: Okay, all right. Spoilers, whatever. Um, <laughs> I wrote that the Animorph War Council must decide uh, if the the sudden National Guard movement uh, is is about if it's a Yurk plot or not. And um, this, you're right. The the Jake just straight out exits the book right here because he's like, look. Uh, we need to start running interference with, with us and the auxiliary anamorphs, previously introduced previously on,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and they're, they're going to carry out their little interference missions on the side. Uh, the task of really doing the big thing and going to meet with the governor, Jake just like offhandedly gives that to Marco. Um, yeah, he's struggling with a lot of stuff and he's more or less kind of checked out. But it still speaks to both their characters that something of this magnitude and this level. Now he instantly has no issues giving Marco that command to be like well, Marco's. You're in charge.
1: Marco's very much like second in command. You know, he's he's the one he trusts with missions and and strategy. I mean, that's the big thing Marco is great at, and he also very pointedly, you know, disses Cassie here. Um, Cassie's sitting on like a picnic table in the back of the group and no one's really paying much attention to her. But the fact that Jake is like kind of petty about it and he's like, well, you know, I'm giving it to Marco because I trust him looking at you, Cassie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He rubs it in a bit. And that's uh very, very warranted. I think, I mean, nobody understands what Cassie is thinking or going through like quite like, um, uh, Jake does, but uh, you know what? I'll you know. say this
1: here. Thought speak didn't trust Cassie from the very first episode of the podcast, so we were there first, Jake.
0: I'm pretty sure we both made points at one point for why Cassie was our favorite character.
1: <laughs> no, it was a long-running joke. Until until um, book 18 or 19, the one where she turns into a butterfly, we were very anti-Cassie on the show. We got hate mail because of it.
0: I don't remember that at all, but I i it's more than likely because of the way Cassie was written initially as the the, you know, green uh, uh, voice of reason, quote, morality, speaker of animals kind of thing. The the way that they twisted that character archetype with her is what's brilliant about her and why she's such a good, effective character.
1: Yeah. Once Cassie started doing brain surgery, I was on board with her character. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. Alien brain surgery, mind you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The hard kind.
1: There were glands. There were lots of glands.
0: (laughs) That's expert mode. That's big brain stuff. Uh, So, yeah, this is the the primary setup is as simple as we just put it. It's like government on the move. Bad stuff. Investigate. Uh, Marco's in charge of leading this team. And this is one of our favorite teams, by the way, Marco, Tobias and Axe. Always a great time when these three get together, but they're going to need some new morphs to do some long dis- distance flying, as we talked about, which leads to another battle scene at the gardens, um, where they, you know, fight against some mighty Morphin' Yurt controllers. And uh, it's it's bird on birds. I wrote that Tobias out birds and eagle at one point. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah.
1: um I thought there's more to them being discovered at the gardens. Uh, and then I realized earlier today when I was reading it again, no, they just forgot what time the gardens opened and were just sitting in a pond when like the school kids start coming in on fleet field trips and stuff. Like there's yeah. nothing more to that. And there were some yurks around. That's that's all it is.
0: Basically, it it it's a very uh, quick setup for an action scene. The point is, we've seen things like this before. Uh, they they have a close call, a scrape, a scrapey do, and they manage to get out of there in time. Morphing now we're ducks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Add I'll, that one to the repertoire.
1: I do like that they uh, they decide to fly with a another migrating duck um, troop. You Know just to blend in, and then they're that's when they're having the discussion about like why haven't we used ducks before? When they're like, we could travel together in a V formation instead of being miles apart as you know, hawks and stuff. So, um, just a fun little duck conversation,
0: yeah, totally. Um, the, the book takes kind of a weird turn from there in that they have a bit of a hard time locating like the governor where she is, who she is. They don't even realize that it's a woman until like halfway through the mission when they're about to meet her. And I, I can't help but feel like it's kind of dumb that they didn't know that information. They didn't look It, it up.
1: is. It totally is. But I will say this is on Jake because whenever they do a really important mission, like one where a lot's on the line, Jake is usually the person who's like, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to figure out who it is, where they're going to be, where we need to meet up with them, like he's the one who usually lays out that plan. He,
0: yeah, he's, he's the like researcher, that pre-pro. Sure.
1: Yeah, that intelligence. Yeah, um, yeah. so uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's on the fact that Jake's kind of checked out and he's focused on his mission and just wants to be part of the group, whatever. And Marco didn't think to you know do any of this research. And I love how Axe is getting like mad. He's like, "What are we? Are we amateurs?" Like he's getting mad that they don't even know what the governor looks
0: like. Give me something to hack, damn it. A computer system, (laughs) a mainframe, whatever. I'll tell you what you need to know. And Marco's like, yeah, you know... Oops, uh, did a did an oopsie goofer, and I didn't um, research who we're going to look for. But uh, we're on our way, and they uh, managed to luck upon the uh, the governor's limousine. And no, no,
1: no, no, no. they are they get to the right, they get to the capital, and they know the governor's not going to be there. But then they have to stop at a gas station and ask a biker named Chopper um on where the uh where the governor's mansion is they they ask all these people in a ga- in a gas station and nobody knows except this biker and he tells them to go you know north on 75
0: i wrote that detail in my summary and i skipped over it because i thought this is just such a weird inclusion in this story
1: <laughs> look we're thought we include include the weird stuff that's that's the point
0: i i mean they went with it and it's not what i expected and it's certainly uh a welcome addition i guess
1: i thought chopper was going to come back later in the episode like or later in the book like you know the the humvees are pulling up and the government agents and then just a bunch of biker bros pull up to the mansion and <laughs> with chains he's the, and... One that,
0: he's the one that takes down the helicopter in the end <laughs>
1: um so yeah so they 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 get to the governor's mansion and that's where they see the limousine and all that and um hop on board there's kind of a i don't know like i i liked a lot of this book but all the parts where there are cockroaches underneath the limousine i thought were written like very confusingly like i was having a hard time understanding what was going on and had to like reread sentences and stuff like it was just weirdly like laying out the 3d scene in the writing i thought it was kind of strange
0: it did seem like kind of a long stretch of filler material that moved our characters from one location to the next and from once one set piece to the next. Um, and you know, you're right. It, it, it just, you skip over it and it's like, whatever, finally, here's the stuff. They made it. They found the governor. <laughs> They're able to, uh, warn her of the danger, but not before. Her husband and another one of her servicemen is is revealed to be a controller. And, you know, as always, these, these situations go. It's one step forward, two steps back. And now the Animorphs are in danger again. They're in a pinch and they got to escape.
1: Yeah, and I like the whole they don't really know who the governor is. So they're just like kind of guessing. Um, but they don't know it's a woman. So they assume it's the guy uh, who they follow in the limousine. And then they find out that it's actually... Uh, his wife is the governor. And he's yep. the uh, first gentleman, I guess, of the... Uh, <laughs> uh, of the... Uh, California- Political hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and so... And yeah, and she finds out that he's he's a controller and all that. And then when things erupt, um, to be fair, like, it goes really crazy and just keeps escalating. This is what I'm talking about, like, the, the yes. plotting of this. Um, I honestly... It's one of the few action scenes in Animorphs where it's like, how are they going to get out of this? Because they can't just like morph cockroach and get away because they have a, a human who can't morph that they're trying to protect.
0: So No, you're right. This is like one of the Animorphs kind of first real, uh, what are those called in games, protect quests or, or like uh, escort missions? Escort yeah, missions, an escort yeah. mission. They don't they don't often do that in, in these books. You're right. And this one is super high stakes being the governor and the highest authority in the American government that they need to appeal to to really get on their side to turn this war in the Animorphs' favor for it's, in the it's, humans favor. It's a big
1: deal in the series, too. I mean, it's exciting having them talk to her and start laying things out. Because it's not just, you know, an auxiliary animal if they're trying to convince to join them or, or some random person who saw attacks on and they're trying to keep them safe. This is outreach to the broader global war that's about to happen. This is the first steps towards no more secrets, no more anything, you know?
0: It's all out there. It's all hanging out in the public now. Well, presumably. It's about to be anyway. Uh, after this this fight scene that goes down, like you said, it's a really tense escape scene, and uh, it, it leaves a pretty large scale wake of destruction in their their path. Here, um, they take out, like I said, a helicopter, a bridge, uh, basically, a, a passing yacht, and a bridge. That's right, gets destroyed. And the I want to talk about the helicopter. I
1: want to talk about the helicopter moment because it's pretty cold of Marco. I mean, we've seen him do some other stuff. But he just charges up a Dracon beam and blasts a helicopter out of the sky with a pilot and a uh, gunner. And, you know, that's just... We don't see them flat out just murder people very often. And That,
0: that is uh, that is something that is pointed out on the Seropedia, is that this is the first time that an Animorph has explicitly and deliberately murdered another human being. Marco, yeah, it's, right it's here.
1: a big deal. And I get it, like, um, in police chases, the helicopter is the number one reason that... You know, Like criminals don't get away because they're just they can stay on them forever, you know, they can just stay over them and, and constantly follow them. So, getting rid of the helicopter is the only reason they got away. So, Marco was smart to do that, but yeah, we've just never seen that kind of deliberate violence, uh, offensive violence from the Animorphs.
0: Yeah, totally. And similarly, Axe, uh, earlier in the book, um, throws one of the, the your controllers uh in in that leopard morph into a tiger enclosure Mm -hmm. and you know just kind of leave them to be i mean maybe he demorphed and got away or remorphed something like a bird and got away but maybe the tiger straight up got him uh another another thing that happened was that uh tobias really critically injures another uh controller while they're in morph and it's uh kind of indicated that they like snap their neck or something very life
1: threatening we're used to uh, oh yeah yeah he absolutely snaps the neck of the, uh, it's like an osprey or one of the peregrine falcons but um, mm. we're used to seeing the animals hurt and it being pretty graphic with how they're hurt this is one of the first books where like the action is them doing damage causing the violence not yeah. just scraping somebody's eyes but like taking people out so it's it's getting real it's getting very real
0: It's warfare. Now it's not just like their guerrilla tactics and and kind of defense and interference, whatever. It's outright attacking. Yeah. Very much in line with, I think, what Rachel had planned earlier uh, when she took control.
1: I would say that throughout the entire series, Marco is a much more brutal person than, than Rachel ever is.
0: Well, yes. And you know what? Marco's is very much more calculated and deliberate uh as well as in control <laughs> unlike Rachel's but it's it's um it it was a fun roller coaster ride of action here for this climax and the thing is it's not even over yet because they get away and they're able to kind of regroup um at the governor's residence or the secret location um and the governor has some insight about a secret regiment of the national guardsmen that were away doing the secret training in the desert for like weeks and and it's assumed that they're not infested so um they're they're going to call them in for support and it really seems like you know oh good guys are coming but lo and behold <laughs> uh, an entire army of bad guys comes uh, first
1: well she also has a security force like a uh, a, a section of the police that she knows has also been uh, not out in the desert, but in in like close training where they wouldn't have be able to you know uh, go to a yurk pool or anything. So she calls the uh, the uh, combat unit, the battalion, to come protect the governor's mansion. But then she also calls the security force for like detail uh, security just for her. So she's got you know she'll have protection. But the security force isn't going to get there for a while, and like you said, these these Yurks are showing up quickly. But we do see the um, the head of the security force rushing over in a police car, and he's going to beat the yurks, uh to the mansion. So, yeah, what a total scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I love this little part where we don't see the animorphs give themselves up very often. But you know, Marco morphs the governor and puts on her her clothes she was wearing earlier and gives his hands himself over to the yerks, uh pretending this to be is, her. This is
0: so ballsy of Marco. I mean, really, this could have gone any way. This could have gone any bad way for him and the team. And it again, it, it really shows Marco's character progression, it just his his maturity, his, his leadership, where he's like, the only way that I can see this mission turning out successful here with the governor and and her men escaping safely is if i take her place and run diversion here and trust my boys to get me out when when the time comes and they do and uh they're they're it pays off in a big way it's a huge gamble but you know uh it shows that the the level that Marco's on now is is very much uh professional war man
1: I will say he could have done one other thing that probably would have been uh, much smarter than this whole uh, tactic, and that's not take the governor back to her mansion where they expect her to be. Like, literally take her anywhere else where the Yerks wouldn't be able to find her so quickly after they got away.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the goal here was that the Animorphs were never intending on providing uh, a source of you know protection or security to her it was more about getting the warning and the word out so that she could do her part in spreading awareness of the yurks not not about keeping her personally safe and involved um and to that end they saw their mission through and they got out yeah i guess um, if they took
1: her back to the hork valley uh the yurks could just install a new governor or like a, a vice governor or something you know
0: yep it was a catch and release we gotta we gotta get this one and we gotta make sure we make her an ally and get her making more human allies and and get the the word out on the irks and to that end that's exactly what happens because the team returns back to the valley and uh apparently they've got tv out there or something (laughs) and they're able to see on the the news the governor giving the announcement that it's the state of emergency and uh, alien invasion is full on, and then the world knows. So the secret's out there. Folks. Yeah, they leave
1: it just a full on cliffhanger of the of the uh, animorphs turning off the TV and being like, "Whoa, you know, like it's it's done." You know, the world knows. And it it's the l- books after this kind of go into like how many people actually believe the governor at first. But I I have not read the next book. The next book is the last animorphs book I have not read. Um, oh, way to go, yeah, and uh, the but I know what X happens, book. yeah, but I know generally what happens, and it doesn't matter news reports after the next book, like people know because they're seeing all out warfare and and you know major things happening, so. That's it's going to be a
0: really, really cool progression here in these next two books for sure. And not only do we have those to look forward to, but as soon as we get that rapid fire escalation of the plot, we get the Elemis Chronicles Ugh. to fill in some good, good backstory before sending us off to that finale. Which is
1: easily my favorite book in the entire series. I mean, that's just, it's, it's a spoiler to say for our review there, but for me, I mean, how many books did you pick up at the scholastic book fair that questioned the nature of god and our universe and how we live in it and our purpose you know like that's only gonna be that in the only that one same
0: goosebumps bucket.
1: oh yeah uh, it's, uh werewolf at fever swamp did the same thing
0: The curse of the cuckoo clock of doom whatever yeah all the way so that's actually that that's where this book ends that's the end of uh uh the absolute animore's 51 and uh, I, I don't know that we should waste any more time in delivering our reviews, my dear friend. Do you want to talk first about your review or why? Sure. I?
1: One of the quicker summaries we've ever done, um, because the plot is so action packed and, and moving forward, you know, there's details we could talk about more and stuff. But um, or maybe uh, listeners, you're just getting a more streamlined version of ThoughtSpeak than we've ever done before. And we're just on point. Uh, one of those two things is true but uh, I would say that I had to reread this book today, as I said, because I did not remember if I enjoyed it or not. And I think that does say something about, um, you know, does this book have a lot of things to say about like the characters or, or their place in the war or, or the war effort in general or, or metaphorical diversions into the psyche of our characters? No, that's not really what this book is trying to do. um, but is it one of the best action set pieces we've gotten from the series and like really pumping us up for all out warfare? And yeah, I think it is. I think it's like well written action, which is very hard to pull off. Like people don't understand it. it's very it's not easy, but it's much easier to put um a blockbuster movie on screen that has exciting set pieces and action scenes and stuff like that and, and really pull you in. Books are really hard to to write prose that, you know, is engaging action. And I think this book does it, mm. does it really well. Um, so I, I had a blast. It was a speedy read. Uh, and then you do get the, the big plot kicker of, you know, a politician in a major seat of government addressing the Yerks on national TV. Um, that's huge for the series. And, and I think we do get a couple moments in this book that are, that are first times for the series and setting us up for the ending. And, um, it's it's an important book. It's great, and it's just fun. It's just a fun animalist book. So, um, I haven't thought about my my review score at all, but oh boy, honest, yeah, honestly, um, it might be a little high. If if we gave point fives, I might give this a three point five, but I actually think I'm going to, um, give this a four out of five, um, V formation mallards you know that's that's my okay. Yeah.
0: That's that's a that's you said it a lot I think better than I could and I'm going to meet you right there with the the four um it's an absolute 4 out of 5 duck poops and uh for those reasons that you say but also because of I I just really dig the overall character characterization of Marco and I think this book does a real justice to Delivering that kind of finality to his growth as a leader and just uh, a mature, um, competent person that you can trust with your life in a live or die, make or break moment. Um, And I think a really fun reading experiment might be to go back and read like book five, the first Marco book, and then right after it, read this one. Uh, I I guarantee it'll be a good time because these are both really good books. And yeah, I I think if you're looking for one of the Animorphs books to reread that does stuff for the overall plot and is just a fun, fast action packed read, this is an excellent choice to revisit. And uh, that's, that's going to conclude my review. So it's four out of five duck poops for me. Yeah, it,
1: it doesn't feel like filler. It's not like some random side story. It's important to the progression towards the ending. Um, but yeah, it's it's very like I don't know. I don't know how to say anything but fluff. It's not fluff, but it's uh, uh it's just a a fun a fun roller coaster downhill ride, you know, to heading towards you, the ending.
0: Exactly. Well, you you pointed out that like when you get done reading it, you almost have a feeling like, well, that was really fun but I, I feel like nothing really happened happened necessarily mm-hmm. um, but the status quo overall is what changed that's what happened in the book and it's not necessarily something that you can see it, they summarize it pretty well at the end by them watching the news report and that being revealed to the world that's the overall point but yeah it, it it's hard to feel like that sense of something definitely happened there and it probably won't until we get to the next book and we see the aftermath.
1: Well, I think I think if I had to nail it down, I think that this book, it needed its pace and what it did to fill the role of, of being an action-packed book. But I think normally this whole book would have just been the ending mission of a normal book. Because the normal book would have started out setting up the A-plot, which is usually a character struggling with something like their parents divorcing or Or their place in in becoming an ants and and, them
0: in school. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it would have had an A plot of them dealing with something as a character that's specific to them. And then they would have had that first mission and then we would have revisited the A plot and then like, you know, it would've been the B plot, the action mission section. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's how they used to structure these things. But in the end game, of course, we're gonna get some huge departures from those formulas that we used to see. So this is this is kind of a refreshing one. I mean, the opening scene clearly sets up, whoa, uh, stuff's happening. Big stuff's happening. Quick, expositional, Jake's uh, head is in the dumpster. Marco's got to lead the mission. And then it's, yeah, for the most part, nonstop action. So... Um, A really solid time. And I'm looking forward to the next book, too. Um, Axe books in general are always entertaining. I know it's going to contain some really, really heavy moments for the series Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people's characterizations, not just Axe, but there's going to be some other characters feeling the heat in this next one.
1: I think in-game Axe, and we saw this in the last Axe book, in-game Axe is all about, okay, we've been playing war, but I know what real war looks like, and I'm I'm okay making the hard decisions to win. Mm. Axe is looking yeah. for a checkmate, and at the end of the day, Axe will choose that over following the Animorphs or following Jake's orders. And um, you know he's that's his character here at the end.
0: It's it's a really interesting dynamic they take with him, and damned if it doesn't pay off and and work out. But yeah. Uh, we'll dive into that on on the next episode of Thoughtspeak I promise to you this I promise to you dear listener so long as you're willing to hang in there with us a little bit longer you know I I, I feel like 2023 is gonna be the year of Thoughtspeak and if we haven't said that every year I, I don't, <laughs> this will be the year where it's true gosh you know I, mean? I mean
1: honestly I'm amazed we didn't finish the series in 2022 we had we had the gumption and, and the momentum but maybe 23 I had it
0: scheduled
1: yeah exactly um, well I uh, obviously you can always find us you can email us at thoughtspeakcast at gmail.com. uh please go on itunes and leave a review uh it really helps out the show and we at some point we lost all our reviews so um we really appreciate just jumping on there and giving us a star rating or leaving a fun review and, and we'll read it on the air if we find it in time or, or remember to um we also have a very uh lively patreon um that we really appreciate and that helps us give you know um, it gives us the oomph to finish the series and wrap it up and get great hosts and co-hosts and, and guest hosts. Like when we got Michael Grant on the show, you know, co-author of the of the series. And maybe we have a couple of those big guests coming up. We'll see. Um, so anything you can give on Patreon or help out the show that that really really is appreciated by us but again if you don't want to give money just an itunes review would be super helpful or wherever you listen to this podcast i don't even listen on itunes so um we appreciate everyone sticking with us for we were joking about this and michelle might not like me saying it on air but eight years ago we started this podcast and we have been awful consistently putting out episodes but you guys are stuck with us and there's still people listening and and emailing us and and really enjoying the show and we have changed so much from the beginning of the show (laughs) that uh it's really cool that you guys are stuck with us and uh we're gonna do this we're gonna do it to the end um and we're, we're here for you so let us know what you think about this this latest comeback uh from us and we'll catch you on the next one
0: i would like to see a fan-led initiative to uh get michael grant to come back to the uh last transmission here of the ThoughtSpeak speak podcast um and bring his wife catherine because boy we'd love to talk to her and pick her brain about lots of stuff um i i want to make that happen i really do the highlight uh of my life definitely like top five moments was interviewing Michael Grant. And if you haven't heard that episode of ThoughtSpeak, go back and do it. I really want to remake it, um, given all the changes that have come recently in the past couple of years. And yeah, thanks uh, for continuing to support us. Coleman, I I know we hadn't discussed this, but I really want to uh, end this uh, comeback here in a positive way. I think we owe it to our fans. Can I read the the section or segment that i had an ai program write that's animorphs related that you and i both had a good chuckle about last night
1: yeah so let me let me set this up and i have the i have the new theme music playing in the background so this gonna make it even more epic um yeah so uh so we were joking about chat gpt which is a uh, a new AI that's been making waves across the internet and in that it's, it really, it predicts text in a way that chatbots really haven't done in the past and it's, it's fancy and new. And so we gave it a prompt. We said, uh, what was the exact prompt? Do you remember?
0: Uh, yeah, I told it to write a scene in which Jake and Marco are kissing in Cassie's barn <laughs> privately until they're interrupted by Tobias who is embarrassed at first but then decides to join. Them.
1: Yes, it's very um, very fan fiction-y, as we've seen many Animorphs fan fictions. Uh, but we're, yeah, go ahead and read it, Michelle. I, I'm, that's it's, all you.
0: It's everything I ever dreamed of, okay? And it, and it starts thusly. <clears throat> Jake and Marco had been together for a while, but they hadn't been able to find a quiet place to share their affection. That changed when Cassie offered them the use of her barn. They had been meeting there for weeks, taking their time and exploring each other. Today was no different. They were alone in the barn, their lips locked in a passionate kiss. As they embraced, they heard a soft flapping sound above them. Startled, they both looked up to see Tobias staring down at them, his expression one of shock. Jake and Marco quickly scrambled apart, embarrassed. Tobias was about to turn away. Then he paused you two look like you're having a lot of fun he said smirking jake and marco exchanged a look then shrugged do you want to join us jake asked tobias hesitated for a moment then nodded he flew down and landed beside them (laughs) and the three of them shared an awkward embrace (laughs) <laughs> the kids began slowly, but soon they were all lost in the moment. It was an odd sensation, but one that felt right. They were all connected, and it seemed like nothing could come between them. End scene. Wow! I am so happy to have brought you this steamy animorphs fanfiction moment. Thank you all so much for listening to the Thoughtspeak Speak podcast. We'll be back next time with our next review. I've been your host, Michelle.
1: And I've been Coleman. See y'all later. That's our show.